Hi, I'm L. Perry with the Daily Memphian, and I'm hanging out with Ina Esco on a verbally effective podcast. What's good? It's Big Sue, and I'm hanging out with my girl, Ina Esco. We're going to chop it up about everything. You hear me? Everything on the verbally effective podcast. This is Stan Bell. I am verbally effective because I know that he who tries may fail, but he who never tries fails more. Success usually comes to those who are too busy to look for it. It's the roll call. It's the roll call. Who's on the mic with Stan Bell today? That's right. Stan Bell is no stranger to the Mid-South area. His career in radio and communication broadcast spans over 30 years in the Memphis metropolitan area. He has become one of the city's most energetic and beloved radio personalities. Bell is employed with iHeartRadio Memphis and can be heard DJing smooth sounds on the airwaves during the drive time from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. on V101.1 and nightly on 1070 WDIA. Stan Bell, a product of Memphis City Schools, attended Hyde Park and Valentine Elementary, Snowden, and Cypress Middle and Northside High School. He now serves as an audio-video production instructor for Shelby County Schools. Stan Bell received his undergraduate degree in mass communications from UT Martin and his master's and education degrees from Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. He is a member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated and a lifelong member of St. John Baptist Church Advanced Avenue, where he serves faithfully. Stan Bell is truly a family man with a loving wife, Carla, and the proud father of Matthew, Miles, and Micah, affectionately known as the Baby Bell Ringers. Verbally effective, your double E, Ina Esco, in the building, episode 81. And today I have the man, the myth, the legend. Uh I'm talking about Stan the Man Bell. Yeah, I'm sorry. What's up? What's up? What's up? It's the roll call. I got a flashback right there. (laughs) I got a flashback already. We just got into the show. Oh, my. Stan, you know what? The first time I met you was at my Millington Central High School prom. Prom. Ooh. You did it. But I say the year. <laughs> Let's say the 19. You would probably the remember 90s. the year. In the 90s. In the 90s. Yeah, yeah. In the so late 90s. Back then, yeah. 97. 97. Yes. Had a nice ring to it. Yes. K97. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's Milton when I Central first Trojans. met you. The Trojans. That's, look, that's when I first met you, but I heard you on the radio right, right, in right. the afternoons on K97. Yeah. yeah. It's the Roca. Yeah. It's the Roca. Yeah. It's the Roca. What's up, y'all? What you got to say? Who's Who? on the mic with Stan Bell today? Hey. Yeah. And Man. that sounds cool. Well, that's, that's and that may that. be. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I didn't <laughs> remember. Yeah, where you calling yes. from? What's your set, Ina? I mean, yeah. that is legendary, <clears throat> Stan Bell. Wow, wow, wow. Where did you get the roll call from? Ooh, How did you all come these talented, up with well, you that? Know, all of these talented, good question. All of these talented uh, people in Memphis, I thought we, we'd do something kind of different. But uh, I, I it, was, it was like a spinoff from something that was done, I think, originally in Houston, Texas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I heard a tape of uh, a guy doing it. I want to say the Mad Hatter. The Miggity oh, Man had from I think Texas. He was, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the I Box. Said, yeah, exactly. The Box mm-hmm. and Magic and all that stuff. So I said, well, you know what? Memphis has talent. We can do this. Yeah. So let's put a spin on it. So we put the 3-6 Mafia track, you know, behind it. And then we start with the yeah. Janae, you know, the Hey Mr. DJ mm-hmm. track, you know. 
And uh, there were, I think we had maybe like three or four backgrounds, but I think the one that was the most successful was probably, well, we had AT Aliens mm-hmm. by Outkast on there. Yep. Remember that? That was a good beat. And then 36 Mafia, of course. Who run it? Yeah. Who run it? Instrumental. I remember that. Next level. Yeah, that took you to the next level. Then we had a lot of talent uh, students, I would say, that could participate and make that show really what it was. Yes. You know, make that feature really what it was. Legendary. Call, yeah. Do you miss it? Somewhat, somewhat. You know, I, sometimes when I do live gigs out, you know, Mm-hmm. Out in the streets, they'll say, man, can you do this? Or do you still do it? Or can you bring it back? That kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I think once I changed radio stations, you know, from K97 to one-on-one, which we still, you know, owned by the same company. But uh, it was like, then they were like, well, you can't bring that to one-on-one. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's the grown folks the station. The grown but folks see, station. But now it's grown enough now, so it could be, be considered old school, I guess. You know, I guess. Okay. Well, Stan, let's start at the beginning. What part of Memphis are you from? I am from the Bluff City, North Memphis, Tennessee. North, the north, north side of town. Yeah, I went to okay. North Side High School. Everything north, north, throw the thumbs up. That's wow. me. Yeah. How yeah. was it growing up in the north side? Well, well, you know what? I grew up is just I'm just a just a a country lovable boy from North Memphis. Grew up on Edward Avenue. You know, it's in the Hyde Park area, mm-hmm. and uh, grew up with my family there. You know, my parents there. We uh, love North Memphis. You know, in fact, I went to. Uh, Hyde Park, which is now defunct and no longer there, mm. uh, it was in tu- it was on Tunica Street yep. in North Memphis, and it's now like a, I think a U.S. Postal Service uh, post it office sure right, is. Big right up on the hill in the back mm-hmm. of the cut, and they tore that school down. But I went there, you know, from I guess first grade then till about six. Back then it was no first through fifth, mm-hmm. first through fifth. Uh, at High Park Elementary School. Then from there, we went to uh, Valentine in North Memphis there. Mm-hmm. You know, Valentine Elementary did just the sixth grade there. And then after that, we ended up going to um, Snowden. 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 Home of the Greenies. Yeah. So that was seventh and eighth at Snowden. Then we had that busing thing going on okay. where they send you. Well, then they sent me from Snowden to, well, they allowed me to go back to Cy- go to Cypress Junior High. Which okay. is up the street from where I live. So all that's a long story short. So I was in wow. Cypress Junior High. I was a Timberwolf for about a year and a half. Mm. And uh, after I left Cypress, which is on Howell Street, you know, in North Memphis, mm-hmm. and then to Northside, and that's where I graduated. Northside. What were you history. doing over there at Northside? Ooh, having a ball. <laughs> Trying to be a high schooler. I play oh. I, I play drums in the band. Did you? Know, you? I play snare drum, and I also play a little. We call them the tritoms. At, Back then, mm-hmm. you know, but it was basically my instrument was snare drum. And I played, even in Cyprus, I played uh, French horn. You know, I, I wow. tried to do something different because, you know, uh, if you wanted to be in a band, you had to, you know, if you play uh, instruments that are kind of unique and everybody's not, you know, jumping forward, then you get in the band. I just wanted to be in a band. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the uh, band director, Mr. Schultz, I guess at the time in Cyprus, he said, look, you can, uh, you can you can get in the band if you play French horn because nobody a lot of people not really bucking to play French horn. No, the trumpet and the clarinet <laughs> and the drums sax. and the, you know sax and all that. Yeah, a flute maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but I said I play. I give a shot at the French horn. And long story short, so I end up playing French horn and then and then I just kind of I, you know gravitated to percussion. Mm. So we ended up playing drums as we went on to high school. So it was you know and other than that, just um, I love to play. Um, I play. Uh, uh, a pretty good mean game of ping pong. Ping pong, <laughs> I yeah. love ping pong. I won pong. my first trophy playing ping pong in uh in uh Cypress. Oh I was wow! In, in the uh, eighth grade, yeah, it was it was fun, you know. Ping pong is a ping fun pong. sport. Yeah, yeah. So they they call it table tennis, whatever. Now, yes. but I still play a pretty good mean game of that, and uh, you know all of that. So 
Okay. You know, I'm going to have to challenge time. you. Yeah, we got to do that. Get that big, <laughs> the big table. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So how we'll did you decide to go to UT Martin okay. once you graduated? You got the history there. Okay. Yes, you did your I homework. Yes. Good student. <laughs> yeah, UT Martin. Uh, really, uh, my sister attended UT Martin. Okay. Joy Bell Jackson. And I used to see her come back. You know, she's like three and a half years older than me. So I used to see her come back from college, you know. I uh, just talking about it was fun. She'd have all these, um, you know, college sweatshirts on. And then eventually she ended up uh, pledging a sorority. And what uh, sorority was that? <laughs> your sister pledged. I mean, I said since I'm on the Enesco show. <laughs> it's okay. But, uh, she pledged the ADSI chapter of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority okay. Incorporated. So we give them a shout okay. out too. Yeah, we can and shout them out. I used to come back having a lot of fun. Yeah, all this Greek stuff on the funny letters on the What's going on with <laughs> <in> Martin? <laughs> and um, so I, I just pretty, because I didn't know a whole lot about college. You know, I just mm-hmm. had to listen to what she said and that kind of thing. So, But I knew in my household, my family, you know, they were really pro education. My mother was a teacher. Okay. And, uh, you know, and uh, my father really stressed education, too. So when she went off, I like, I know I didn't have any choice but go. Yes. But I, you know, I lived, you know, I, was, I lived, the street where I live, I grew up around educators. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was just, it was just a no-brainer. It was just uh, you know, no option, you know. So we went to college. But I, I never regretted it. So I just chose Martin. You, you know, Because she Martin. went. Yeah, because you, know, you, know, you know, it wasn't like all these different colleges were coming after me and thing, you know. So mm-hmm. I said, let me just, because she already knows firsthand, I said, let me go. So when and you that, entered UT Martin, how was the atmosphere back then? Was, did you did you Small gravitate? college, you know, roughly about 5,000 was the, was the enrollment, was the total, mm-hmm. you know, enrollment there. And that time we had about maximum of maybe 900 African-Americans, I mean, so, you know, everybody had to be, it was like a family, you know, mm-hmm. everybody knew each other, you know, talking about the African-American community, we knew each other, we tried to help each other survive, I was green, you know. You was green, thing. Yeah, all around, <laughs> look behind the ears, wet behind the ears, all but all I, but I had my sister kind of hold my hand, you know, mm-hmm. and said, look, you know, where we go, what we do, you know, what we, if I'm broke, I run to her, you know, because she was like, you know. Mm-hmm. When I was a freshman, she was like a, you know. Senior. Yeah, senior. Yeah, junior, senior right okay. in there. Yep. Wow. But she knew the ropes. Yeah. So, uh, but no, Martin was good to me. I don't have any regrets going, uh, you know, if I look back at everything, I said it must have been a reason for me to go to Martin because mm-hmm. uh, I really had a good, I had the total collegiate experience. You know, obviously, you know, I ended up pledging fraternity, a great fraternity of them all. So nice. The greatest. You had to name it twice. Right, right. <laughs> yes. Ooh, we might get into that later. Yeah, that's right. The noobs, the <laughs> no, ladies, actually, you know, since you brought it up, <laughs> since you brought it up, what was them noobs doing on the yard over there? You see my Running it, it running it. <laughs> that's why I had to pledge, all right? Look. They, they were running it. I look. said, look, I want to be just like them. Wow. And somebody told me, I said, it ain't going to be easy. I said, oh, what are you talking about? Mm-mm. So the next thing I knew, even my sister said, you sure you want to do this? You sure you want to do this? Uh-huh. I said, yeah, I'm going to give it a shot. But, yeah, uh, but, you know, the noobs were running. I mean, we had, a, we had you know, all the you know, the fraternities on, on campus, which was good. It was, a, it was a lot of camaraderie. You know, everybody just decided what they wanted to do was for them. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you, know, you had the alphas and the Phi Beta Sigma and, you know, of course, uh, the noobs and then the Qs on the yard. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they even had an organization called the Foot Frat, you know. The, the foot, foot Frat. The football players had their oh. own deal. Did they? They wanted, they wanted to be something. They wanted to be an organization. <laughs> But they weren't. Look, they weren't part of the Panhellenic Council. (laughs) No, ma'am. No divine nine. None. Well, we got love for them. But yeah, so it was. But that was. It was kind of unique. It was fun. It was. Everybody was kind of getting together. You know. 
and, and they formed their, you know, football fraternity, so mm-hmm. to speak. So we had a lot of fun with that. They even performed in some of the uh, what? Uh, the oh, that was and serious. The shows and, yeah, it, it was. Uh, they were serious. Y'all let them perform and everything. They did. <laughs> I bet you called with so it, Kane, though. Well, Same. you know, I only only drop every now and then. I just show you a few of them. Yeah, I'm, yes. I'm more of a. Yeah, we twirl, we twirl. Mm-hmm. But uh, back then, twirling was. How would I say it was not as quite as, uh, how would I say, competitive, mm-hmm. if you will. Now, you know, Noosa twirling behind the mm-hmm. back, no look, blindfold on, and not, and not dropping it. I mean, it was serious. Mm-hmm. But uh, we had a lot of fun with that cane. I'm more of a chant master, you know. We yes. acquired those skills uh, early on by going to a lot of the uh, conclaves, as we call it, and just oh, doing wow. the parties at the house. So, yeah, I'm more of the chant master. So is that like kind of where your love for broadcasting began when you were at UT Martin? You, you know what? Actually, it's even before then. It, mm-hmm. it, I, would, I, I would say Martin kind of helped cultivate it. Mm-hmm. I got polished it at UT Martin. I, about as polished as you could be for a college student. But my love for radio and broadcasting uh, started as um, in high school, actually, okay. at Northside, as a junior. Really? Yep. I was a, what they call a high school reporter. Okay. For Northside. So back then they had like the teenage, the WDIA teenage reporters, right? Wow. Yeah, and uh, I, I filled out an application, long story short, with the guidance counselor, the professional school counselor, mm-hmm. uh, and asked her. I, pretty much, I, it started off by saying, how can I be down? Because I used to hear the seniors, you know, when I was like a, a sophomore, you know, like, how can I do that? Because they sound really good doing their report, mm-hmm. you know, over there. And see, every weekend they would go, and, and eventually I ended up going too, to the WDIA on the weekends to record. Mm-hmm. Just like folks might come up here to the station every Saturday, we would come up here and give a report, maybe 60 seconds mm-hmm. about what was going on in our school. Yeah. Can you imagine all the other schools from around the district, you know, giving their report? That's you know, awesome. West of the world of Whitehaven or, you know, whoever had reporters would come on to mm-hmm. WDIA. So for me, it's almost like full circle to work at WDIA here now. It is full in 2019. circle. Yeah, so we started that. Wow. Uh, I would tell you, yeah, but you wouldn't believe me. <laughs> I would anyway, tell me, tell me. Girl, that's, a, <laughs> ooh, that's another episode. <laughs> That's an episode. Wow. So yeah. you began your love as a reporter mm-hmm. in the 11th 16 grade. 16 years old, yeah. It was about 16, 16 years, years old, old, yeah. I was a junior. I wanted to be one in sophomore, but nobody left. Nobody was really, everybody loved doing it. So mm-hmm. I just had to wait till someone finally graduated, you know, when there were two seniors. And then they would pick two of us. Uh, a young lady, I think her name was um, Stephanie Beasley, was my partner. You had to be two, had male and female that would mm-hmm. choose. And we made the cut, and we would go down to WDIA. Then the, the studios were located on Central Avenue. Central yeah, Avenue. Yeah, you know where, the, where now Central Barbecue is? I think yeah. that building pretty much occupies right in that area. Wow. Yeah, That's where WDIA was? Mm-hmm, Central Avenue. Back I did the, not know back that. Back in the uh, 70s. Wow. In the 70s, yeah, mid, to, mid to late 70s. And they didn't move to downtown until probably, I want to say maybe 80, 82. 82. 82, that 112 Union Avenue. I address. remember 112 Union. Yeah. yeah. I had a little Boom. bit of that in my life. Yes, ma'am. If you, yes, my Union early Avenue, radio yeah. days. Serious. That, locked that up in the... Yep. <laughs> wow. Telling, yeah. That, and so we, we, we come full circle with the DIA thing. But that's when it started to ask your question. That's when it really got started okay. as a junior. And then I was able to do it the next year as a senior. So. How would we say we got bit by the broadcasting bug, mm-hmm. right? Can't let it uh, go. No. And see, after that, that 
what happened, that's why and I made my decision then to major in communications mm-hmm. going to UT Martin after graduation. Mm-hmm. So it made it simple for me then after I kind of say, I think that's what I really want to do. Do they have a really good program for yeah, communications? For me, yeah, they had a really small um, 100-watt radio station. That's I mean, all you need. Then, that's all you need, right, 100 <laughs> watts. I'm like, you know, uh, wow. And then they had had an AM station that was like maybe 10 watts, and then they had an FM was maybe like 100 watts. But we were happy with that. And we could be heard all in the dormitories, right? Yeah. And uh, just a little bit on the outskirts of the city of Martin. But mm-hmm. as, lo- as long as you had, you know, your um, – how would I say the the in house your uh, audience, your students, you know, fellow students, and and all of the uh, people could listen to you because they that we didn't have any other station to listen to really. Wow! So uh, everybody was kind of glued, you know, when we came on. Then after you know, I was able to get on the air at UT Mar, you know, you, they wouldn't let you just like jump right in there mm-hmm. as a freshman. You know, you kind of had to pay your dues. But by me being a communications major. It kind of opened the door for me to go ahead and eventually get my own radio show. Wow! Yeah, probably and as a, probably I got my own radio show as a sophomore. As a sophomore, that's pretty good. Yeah, 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 and that's what. And after that, that was it. I would, you know, and then after probably the latter part of my sophomore year, they allowed me to kind of play my own format. I could play, you know, your own okay. format because then I started off playing classical. Mm. You know, they, they you know. You know, you would. That's that's kind of like you know, if you got approved us, you can follow the format first. Mm-hmm. But we give you your own exactly. format. You, we're not going to let you just go willy nilly and do your own thing. If you can follow the classical format, then after you did master that, then you go to uh, they had the jazz format. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you can master that jazz, and we're getting closer to the R and B with the jazz. And so eventually, they were they say, okay, we're going to let you have your own show. You know, wow. two or three hour radio show. And it was, it was what was awesome. the name of your uh, show? And did you go by Stan Bell? No, I didn't go by Stan Bell then. I think back then <laughs> I went by, ooh, what did I go by? Yes, uh, I want to know. I went by SB Superstar Bell. SB Superstar Bell. And I kind of got that. I kind of bit a little bit off of, uh, I don't know if you remember, you may be a little young to remember CJ Superstar Morgan. Yeah, he, he was one of the pioneers. You know, mm-hmm. he, uh, he's you know he's he's still um uh, what we call a living legend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was he was one of the hot DJs. You know, in Memphis, mm-hmm. he worked at um, WLOK, and then eventually uh, he he was there. He was on the uh, LOK for a long time. I think while I was in, um, in even in high school, and then even the early parts of my college career, he was on WLOK. But he was a hot jock. He was the hot so jock. I, I said, you know what? Why not pat myself out <laughs> one of the hot jocks? See, his name was C.J. Morgan, but he went by C.J. Superstar. You know, remember that Jesus Christ Superstar mm-hmm. movement back in the day and yes. all that, that rock uh, play and all that? Uh, but, yeah, so I went by S.B. Superstar Bell, of course, S.B. for Stan. S.B. Yeah, Superstar yeah, Bell. And then it, it evolved because I had to go ahead and get my own identity, but everybody on campus knew me by that, S.B. Superstar. They just called me S.B. Superstar. Oh, you was the man. Yeah, oh, you I was, was the man on yeah, campus, we, we, Stan. We felt like we, we had something going. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so it, was, so it was just a family. Everybody listened to the radio. You know, it was it was, it was was piped in the dorms. Uh, folks were listening, you know, because that's the only. And then when I eventually got my own show where I could play my own music, then that that was a way to uh, get everybody together. And I could, we could make announcements. We could talk about mm-hmm. basketball games that would mm-hmm. be played. We did a lot with that radio show. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to say it was a that was a step in the right direction to where I am now. So that's kind of led me to what I'm doing now. Wow, what kind of music were you playing on your show, Stan? It, in college, yes. Ooh, you know what? <laughs> Gato Barberi. That's some old jazz right there. But we played. Uh, Bob James, I would play some Michael Franks, you know, mm. some of that good jazz, you know, mm-hmm. that the contemporary jazz, you know, 
And then when I got to my own show, of course, I was still sprinkling some of that in there. Um, but we, when we played R&B, you know, it was just whatever was hot then. You mm-hmm. know, I think I was able to uh, uh, play the early Whitney Houston stuff, you know, oh, when man. she first broke out with You Give Good Love, all of that, you know. Yes. And then we could backtrack a little stuff, you know, that was whatever was hot we played. We played all Earth, Wind mm-hmm. & Fire, you know, Emotions, whatever was top, top 40, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, because my first radio show was top 40. Actually, when you hear old school jocks talk about, uh, records that you would play, actual the physical records, you know, no cartridges, no CDs, no, no, you know, nothing like well, we got ripped into the system like nothing nowadays. like this. It was the actual wax, Record. you know, mm-hmm. the vinyl, the LP, the forty five with the donut hole and all that stuff. You know, so we on the all radio. Like, See, right. I don't know nothing did, about that. Yeah, My yeah, entry to the radio wasn't wasn't on the turntables like the, that. Did you get a I came in with the cartridges. I came in with the cartridges. I came in with the cartridges. Yeah, you good. <laughs> you're way before the cartridge. Even when we went to the cartridge, they weren't even blue. Well, they blew pretty much when you were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were like a, a old danger gray. Yeah. You know, when we first started. But, you know, I mean, we've done it. I've gone through all of that. The real to real, you know, the. The real, real tape, the cartridges, but the records were, you know, that was that authentic, real sound, that mm-hmm. pressed vinyl, which gave that rich, Ooh, deep. Oh, that's a beautiful almost, sound. Yeah, you get just a little bit of the bacon frying <laughs> yeah. on the old school. You know, <laughs> yes, kind of I know what you're talking about. Yes, and wow. that, so that was a fun part. So it was literally like top 40, literally top 40. When you play the top 40 hits, when you just flip the stack over, and you start all over and pick the mm-hmm. next record and put it on the turntable. Yeah. You had to be on point yeah. with all of them elements yeah. going, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it made me appreciate uh, where we are now in technology. But, I know, but right? Having gone through all that, you know, mm-hmm. that that really helped me in this journey uh, called broadcasting. Wow, having and you have over that. thirty years mm-hmm. in the, the radio biz. Yes, yeah. it does. <laughs> so, <laughs> that, yeah. That's Memphis, where it Memphis started. Airwaves, yeah. Memphis, Memphis Airwaves, yeah. Memphis Airwaves, nineteen eighty six. So it's really more than that. But Memphis, I started in Memphis. I was the new kid on the block. Uh, youngest kid on the block, 1986. 86. 1986. So that's 33 years we do the math, somewhere thereabout. I started on Mother's Day. Oh, my I was so Day. nervous. I didn't tell my mom I was going to be on the radio. I'm, you know, what? Yeah, it was so, you know, it's like one of these things. I can't believe I'm on, but at the same time, I don't really want, I won't fucking hear me, but I don't want them to hear me, you know? Because I don't want to mess up. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking ooh, about. Ooh, messed up, ooh. What station yeah. in 1986? On K97. How did it Part-time. all come about? Part time. It's a good question. Um, Let's see, how did it all come about? I was uh, the skating rink DJ in Covington, Tennessee. Wow. Covington. What's up, Covington? Tipton County. <laughs> Covington. 38019. That's the zip code. That's my home away from home. So what So what happened, you know, I was, of course, a student at UT Martin. And then when I finally was able to get my own car and stuff, you know, um, I would drive back and forth to Memphis on the weekends, right? You know, you see mom, dad, that kind of thing. But I wouldn't come every weekend. Mm-hmm. But it just so happened one of these weekends I passed by, I was riding with a fraternity brother, and we looked, he was from Covington, Tennessee. And we I was dropping him off at the house, and then we passed by this sign that said, Future Home of Rollies, R-O-L-L-I-E-S, mm-hmm. Rollies Skating Rink, or Rollies Roller Rink, mm-hmm. Future Home. And big old, you know how they have a sign out there because construction was underway. Mm-hmm. So it said, Future Home of the Roller Rink, Rollies Roller Rink. And he being from Covington, Tipton County, he said, man, they can ready to put a skating rink right there, man. You ought to try for that. You ought to go out for that, try to be the DJ there, because you know mm-hmm. they're going to need a DJ, right? He said, you know what? He said, man, you need to go for it. So the next weekend, when I you know, we took him home and stuff, I said, you know, I went in there. We're going we're gonna to make an appointment to, uh, to audition to be the DJ there. And uh, mm-hmm. one thing led to another. I went in there. I mean, it was serious. You know, a lot of, people, a lot of DJs were trying to get that gig. Wow. But yours truly, 
You got right. it. You, you got nailed the gig. it. Got the gig. <laughs> and rollies. <laughs> yeah, rollies. And we've been rolling forever. <laughs> since then, we've been rolling since, you know. But you know what? That was a good, and that was like 80, 82, I believe, when they opened, 1982. Okay. Was, it was a brand new rink, state of the art. It was not nothing like you've ever seen. It, it really rivaled uh, the Crystal Palace of the mm-hmm. world. Remember Crystal Palace yes. here in Memphis and Westwood? Mm-hmm. So Crystal Palace was it. You know, they were booming nonstop, nice sound system booming. But this this man named Albert Utes, he and his family, they built this this skating rink called Rollies. Mm-hmm. And uh, they made a state of the art. I mean, the sound system was booming. I mean, they had everything. It was, it was, And I was just one of the fortunate ones to be able to land a job there. And that's because, you know, I'm a college guy. I wasn't making any money. Mm-hmm. So that's really where I began to start seeing a little income to help me with school. You know, that little side part-time mm-hmm. thing. Because I was working at a Shoney's. I worked at Shoney's, you know. Uh, Shoney's Big Boy. You remember that? I Shoney's Big Boy. Shoney's yeah, is. Shoney's used to be the bomb. Yes. And uh, so, I, you know, it was a Shoney's in Martin, Tennessee. But after a while, that got old. But I used to like it because I could practice on the microphone. Because when you when you make your order, you know, you you talk on the microphone, <laughs> ordering please. Uh, Shoney's All American, big boy. You was showing out on that a, mic yeah, at Shoney's. Yeah. As I just experienced on that mic. Yes. I want to study the order. I oh, just want wow. to be heard. And then you and got the, the cooks heard me. Yeah. Did I get the, <laughs> Look the, from Shoney's yeah. to Rollies. That was a nice transition. Oh, gosh, I, yeah. A nice segue. Yeah. So we segued to to Rollies in 1982. I was the first. Um, uh, DJ there that did the, um, I, I did the Friday nights and the Saturday nights. Mm-hmm. You on a turntable? I had a DJ on Sunday night. Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah we had turntables up back then, of course. Okay. okay. No CDs, you know. We, you know, on we just turntables. Coming there with the with the big old crates, you know, you had, had the big crate. heavy crate. Ooh, those peaches. <laughs> we call them back then. We call them peaches crates. <laughs> peaches, peaches. That the 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 crate. With all the albums in there that you thumbed through, that you mm-hmm. already only played maybe half of them. Right. But you had to have them crazy. You had to have and the new stuff, DJ, too, though. Two two, so that's right. You, Who, come, you come had a Music two. Connect? They, they got no, you your records. But the th- good thing about Rollers, so though, they would, they, would, um, they would buy music, too. Because okay. they, they had a hookup with the, with the music or something. They oh, had, like, good. a Radio Shack, and then they, had, they were kind of, like, involved with the... So they would buy the music, and I would have to bring my own too as well. Mm-hmm. So you know, being a college student, I didn't have no money to buy no record. Mm-hmm. But I just kind of what I made from the skating rink, I would just you know turn right back around and go to the uh, record stores and purchase. So wow. yeah, that's so that's why you know now I, you know coming full circle where you you can be involved. And if you were in a record pool, that was good back then. I wasn't in a record pool till later on, probably maybe mm-hmm. you know maybe a few years later. Wow. But after that, you just had to buy your music and stay on top of it. That was the whole stay competitiveness between it. other DJs, you know. Oh, I got this hit, you don't, you know. Yeah. I got this, and you know. It unless sure you're in the pool. Yeah. So we were so competitive, you know. So I would spend my last dollar to get the latest song that was out. I know you so did. So I could stay on top of it. I know we can hear this. If, if, uh, and so, and then after that, of course, uh, bef- yeah, uh, that led to, well, let me say this. Uh, before I started working at K97, I did work in Jackson, Tennessee. On the radio? In Jackson in 85 was my first radio gig. Okay. Yeah, before uh, K97. So that kind of, okay. that was a stepping stone. I always wanted to work K97, but they kept telling me no. You know, mm. yeah, it was. I mean, it was back then. You know, you to be on K ninety seven. You had to bring it. You had to. Who bring was in it. charge back then at K ninety seven? Good question. Pam Wells was the program Pam director. Pam Wells. Yeah, those, I don't know Pam. Those, your listeners who are tuning in right now probably may remember they old school. Um, they remember Pam Little Girl Wells. They call mm-hmm. her Pam Little Girl Wells, and she hired me. You know, because uh, I was, she came to the ra- to the skating rink okay. actually, 
she came to skating rink, and guess what? Um, she was from Memphis, and then I was like, I found out she was programming director, so I had to. I knew she was coming, so you know, I was prepared. I gave her a oh, check. Yeah. You know, me being on Jackson Radio, you was prepared. That's all you prepared. And, you was uh, ready. And uh, helped her. I just skated in the in the booth with all her albums. Helped her, I did whatever I could. Next thing I knew, about maybe after I gave her my resume, tape, and everything, she called me maybe about four or five days later. It was on and popping. She said, "Come on, let's 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 uh, let you uh, train a little bit and see what you got." Oh wow! Yeah, Joe the P. Beginning. Washington. I don't know if you remember his name. Joe P. Washington. I remember that uh, name. Another living legend. He uh, trained me mm-hmm. on the board at K ninety seven and eighty six, uh, mm-hmm. and they showed me all the board and stuff like that because it's different from the you know the college board. You know, college mm-hmm. board was so small, but you know, so it was a different. When you get to the big dogs like K ninety seven, you yeah. got to be trained. It kind of take over. you aback a yeah. bit, like yeah. wow, yeah. how I'm going to learn thing. all oh, of these. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, they wouldn't let me talk right away, but I have a problem with that. I'm like, look, as long as you let me work this board, they I had to work on getting that board tight, you know, and, and you know how you're working a tight board. So before they tight let you talk, board. you got to earn your earn the right to crack that mic on. Pay and do. for sure. So you were part-time on K97. Part-time K97, yeah. On I the weekends. The, um, weekends, and I did uh, my sh- my shift was when everybody, anybody got sick, they would call me. Back mm-hmm. then, we had beepers. You remember the old I school beeper? Where them people check that beeper and see what it is. I'll be hoping somebody calls, somebody's sick or whatever. I come on in. Yeah. And check that message. And then whenever I, they call or, or beat me, I, I call back and say, yeah, I can make it. I can do it. You was ready when they ready. called. I, 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 my, my, yes. I was telling my parents then, you know, after I graduated, like, where are you going in the middle of the night? Well, they said, I got to be there at midnight and that kind of stuff. You know, wow. somebody got sick or they want me to do the, the, the graveyard shawl. I said, no problem. I'm there. Yeah. Cause yeah, because that's the opportunity of a lifetime. Opportunity, yeah. You and know? We first, we, I did part-time for about maybe, she had me on part-time about six months. Oh, that ain't bad yeah, at all to just be yeah. part-time yeah. six months. Nobody, yeah. And nobody was going anywhere. You know, I did it six months, and I was still glad, still trying to get over the infatuation of uh, uh, working at a station I loved, you know, mm-hmm. growing up. And uh, and then finally somebody left, and then they, they moved me into the mid, uh, midnight to 6 a.m., midnight wow. to 5.30 Got my own show. I was happy with that. I know you was. And, were you SB or were you staying bail at that point? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, I was when I was in Jackson, I worked at this rock station. I worked at a rock station before I worked in, uh, I worked two formats, actually. Uh, I started off, ooh, I started, I just had a flashback, remember, when I was a, I was on Kix 96 mm-hmm. FM in Jackson. That was the R&B station. That was the big station. We used to mix live on the air, you know, songs. You know, not to just blend the songs, actually. And then uh, I was on the air then. What did I go by then? Stand the man, I probably. Stand the man. Stand the man. You know, that kind of stuff. Stand the man. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't really use Stan Bell until I got to K97. Because K97 would let you use your real name if the program director approved it. Mm-hmm. You know, they would let you. But it was very few. It was few DJs that really used that given name. You know. Very few. Yeah, yeah. even now. Even mm-hmm. now, you know. Well, I was able to do it because I had um I had a decent following come out of college, and I had a following from the roller rink, so they knew me as Stan Bell. When I was on Jackson Station, when I did the rock station, I was Big Stan Bell. Mm-hmm. They called me Big Stan Bell. That rock, you know, that rock kind of, mm-hmm. you know, that rock persona. Big Stan Bell on the radio, seventy eleven, you know, I, that kind of stuff. And then I went to <laughs> R and B. Then I was uh. I couldn't use SB Superstar at the R&B stage because, you know, remember C.J. Morgan was on. Yeah, you Memphis. couldn't use that no more. Couldn't use that. So I was too close to home. You know, Jackson mm-hmm. wasn't that far from Memphis, but about an hour drive. But it still was in the kind of in the, you could pick them up, you know, so I couldn't mm-hmm. use that. 
And uh, and then after that, skate rink, I was, oh, well, it was a skate rink. Stay in the man, I guess, you know, something like that. You know, but it, wow. It was funny, yeah. And then Pam Wells, see, that was her given name. Of course, Pamela, but she went on the air as Pam Wells. So, you know, so mm-hmm. our names are kind of similar in terms of, you know, the rhyming scheme. Mm-hmm. So Stan Bell, she allowed me to use Stan Bell. She said, you can use it. You can use it. Wow. And uh, I just said, uh, everybody was using given names there. We had a guy on the, on the air, believe it or not, his name was Jimmy Smith. You know, mm-hmm. or James Smith might have been his real real name, but he, he used Jimmy Smith, and it sounded common. But that was people gravitated to that because it was like mm-hmm. just just a regular name, but they listened up for him. So everybody was using wow. kind of you know names like the given name. Whether it's screen printing, embroidery, or promotional product, the T-shirt lab consistently produces quality products with a fast turnaround. Design it, print it, and wear it. Contact the T-shirt lab today at the T-shirtlab.com. Email info at t h e t e e shirtlab.com or call 901-207-3043 or you can even stop by the t-shirt lab today at 986 east brooks road memphis 1038117 the t-shirt lab design it print it and wear it and so you've been on the air over 30 years stan that is amazing yeah, yeah. and how how do it's you feel it's, yeah. it's definitely a blessing yeah see how- a lot of cats come and go I know you a have. A lot of folks come and go. Because a, a, a lot of things you mentioned um, in the conversation was people just don't leave. Like in radio, people not going nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, back in the early days, when I came in like mid-80s, 86, you know, um, a lot of cats weren't going nowhere. But then it was like this arrow over you, but it's no guarantee. Mm-hmm. You know, you can get fired with a drop of a hat. I mean, really? you know, I've seen a lot of cats get for for several for different reasons, you know. What I mean, you mm-hmm. know, new management come in and say, "Well, we don't like your style, we don't like your voice, we don't like your the shirt you got on." I mean, it, I've heard, mm. seen all kinds of things, you know. So other folks leave because they get opportunities to go to another market if they so desire. If they get their phone call, some leave, you know. Some, you know I mean, uh, unfortunately, drug problems, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. You know, you talk about the mid '80s and that kind of things. Mm. You know, a lot of cats back then were getting, you know, were were. were Doing drugs and stuff, and, and uh, you know, just let it interfere with their work. Mm-hmm. And said, so "We, you, you know, if you're gonna do them, do them. But if it, when it interferes with your work and showing up and and uh, on the air, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, then the program ready, they get kind of, you know, they. I know they, they did. I'm looking at you, yes, I look at you. But I mean, because back then it was it was a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It still is. But mm-hmm. then you know you have to be careful because it's a lot of fun and the elements involved. You know, and and you can get kind of suckered in and, mm-hmm. and get too involved with the. The wine women in the song, <laughs> you know, in the late night parties, and then you take it back on the air, and then you got to forget the radio is a little different from in the streets, right? Yeah. So, uh, so, so how were you able to balance? Cause that balance, it was tough. It was tough. It was tough. Uh, be, only because, probably because, you know, in, in the back of my mind, I knew my folks were listening, mm-hmm. and my parents, you know, were listening. You know, they don't want, you know, I had to stay straight and narrow, but I, but you still have to have an edge if you're gonna be on the air. Mm-hmm. You just can't be regular Joe Blow on the air if you plan on trying to make it, yeah. you know, and trying to stay. So you have to have an edge, but I would I would go up to the line and never really cross it because I knew, my, you know, parents would listen. So I knew pretty much how to be edgy, but not, you know, not uh, not embarrassing them at the same time. But I had to give what they want, you know. But, yeah. Uh, man, I, I mean, you know, I was I was just straight up, I was just that dude, you know. You was that dude. You still that dude, you know, Stan. Bless you. I receive it. <laughs> now, 
have you always been an educator while being on the air, or is that something that happened? Yes later? and no. Well, yes, uh, I guess you could say educator is all, all. It's been in me. I didn't realize my mother was a thirty-year uh, veteran teacher in Memphis City Schools. You know, legacy. Of course, she every kind of schools now, but Memphis. She did thirty years. She taught at Carver High School, Lester High School back at Lester back in the day. I guess it was junior high then. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, but she taught, she taught English at Leicester. She taught typing in a vocational mm-hmm. at Carver High School where she retired. And uh, she taught at Manassas uh, back in the day. Mm-hmm. So that was, it was in me, but I, I didn't really want to be a teacher or educator. I wanted to be a DJ. I wanted to be on the radio. You know, I wanted <laughs> to, you know, uh, be on the airwaves, you know, because I had a lot of a lot of the cats I looked up to in, in, in music and DJs were on the air. I said, I don't want to be that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, but the educational piece came in uh, in 1993. Three, I started teaching Memphis City Schools in 1993, seven years after I got on the air. Because what we just talked about, I saw how the, the, the door was like open and shut. I mean, it was like a revolving door, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, DJs coming and going, getting fired. I'm like, I mean, you can't raise a family on, okay. on, like this. I mean, mm-hmm. nothing's, it wasn't any, it's no stability, really. Mm-hmm. You know, this is just unheard of for, uh, you know, some of the pioneers like Bobby O.J. to be, have been on so long, myself and some others who can say, you know, if you if you do if you do more if you got more than ten years in radio, you doing pretty good. Okay. If you been at one station for ten years, mm-hmm. that's pretty good. Yeah. But on average, back in the day, I mean, you were doing you were really lucky, or fortunate, or blessed, whatever you want to call it. If you did about four years at one station, mm-hmm. so this was you know it was unheard of to be at a station for fifteen twenty years. I mean, it's just few and far between mm-hmm. because you're gonna get fired. Most DJs have gotten fired before. Uh, I've come very close to getting fired. Nothing on my own uh, when I married it or anything. I, what I happens, Stan? Guys come in. You know, new program directors come in. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not calling any names, but they come in <laughs> and, and they want to bring their own people in. You know, it's kind of oh, like, yeah, you know how one that goes. of those. Yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, you, you know, administration, you can't really blame them, but, but they're, they're gun for you. And then, you know, and, and you think, you know, man, I just can't do no, I can't do anything right. And you're like, wait a minute, what happened? I was doing good not too long ago before this person came but then they come mm-hmm. in and they, they stay on you they ride you yeah. and what happened I will share this uh, without giving that person's identity I guess uh, um, that person was also that's, that person that was really trying to get rid of me mm-hmm. was he had to hold down the air shift himself mm. and his ratings weren't that good okay CJ Morgan the superstar I was telling you about mm-hmm. was beating the brakes off of him okay and um, and so he it was kind of tough to juggle a program director and the air shift and your rating's not good, so something's got to give. So mm-hmm. um, the person listening to your podcast, thanks for the opportunity. But, uh, <laughs> I'm still here. Was that, that was your about, saving yeah. grace? That, that yeah, his, yeah, pretty much that his ratings okay. go and they got him before they he got to get me. They got they him got before him. they <laughs> look at God. He got the axe. Look yeah, at he this. got the axe. My wow. race was still good. I was then. I was doing seven to midnight. Mm-hmm. I can remember clear as day. That's why I can. I don't need no notes for this, you know. Um, they, he, but he was pretty much gunning for me because I, I had gotten ridden up, you know, maybe a couple of times, and I knew after yeah, yeah, me getting rid up. I know, right? It happened. I got shoot. There was. I was almost out the door. But just just a little. What they say, nitpicking. You mm-hmm. know, little stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. you didn't intro the song right. You you played this song out of order. Being petty. Yeah, you 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 know. You put a, you put a call on there when you shouldn't have. I you mean, saw the writing on the wall. Like yeah. You was like, well, yeah, let me yeah, see what's yeah. going on with this education right. stuff going on. Exactly. I said, let me, let me take a peek over here mm-hmm. to something different. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, if it happens, I'll at least have something else. But 
you know, because, you know, just like you, you know, you got your degree, that kind of thing. You know, I had gone to school at UT Martin, and, you know, communication major and all that, got my degree. So I said, you know, why not fall back on that? I mean, just, you know, it's reality. You know, you got you to gotta live, you got to eat. So just in case radio, they gave me the boot, at least I'd have something to that's why I say I always stress education is so vitally important, you know. Definitely. It's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got that degree. You know, everybody don't want to go to college. Everybody may not, might not, you know, set out to be, you know, going to school. It might not be what their cup of tea. They want to do some other things, which I understand, you know, college and career, you know, that separation there. But it, for me, it worked out. That way I didn't have to go back it to school. It worked out. Yeah. I didn't have to go back to school just mm-hmm. to be a teacher. I was already had that, so all I had to do was get certification. Mm-hmm. Is what we call it, yeah. Which is which is a shorter time period to get it done than actually trying to go four or five years to get mm-hmm. your undergrad, right? Okay. So, uh, but God saw fit that uh, I could still be able to do both, you know, which is which really was a blessing. So, like I said, He got the axe, I didn't, and then things started happening. <laughs> the rest started. is history. More so, yeah. Wow. So, uh, but, but I mean, you got to have that kind of story, that mm-hmm. learning experience. If it was all hunky dory and smooth sailing, then you wouldn't have anything to really reflect back on because everything's been so smooth for you. That's but I, right. I, you know, it wasn't a disaster for me, but I could almost see the handwriting on the wall. Mm-hmm. So now I had to either step up my game, uh, mm-hmm. comply, uh, and just know his style and go and give him what he wanted. And then if I get let go, then I can't say it was me, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah. So. Now, when you entered education, you were already on the radio. Were they looking at you like a rock star? Like, ooh, Stan Bell is a yeah, teacher kinda, at our it school. It was different. Yeah, it was kind of different uh, back <laughs> then. Yeah, I, I was. I felt like I was kind of the go-to guy because I knew I had a big audience. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I saw that evidence from the ratings that you know that I saw. I knew that was in, in in black and white. But then you know you could feel the energy when you're on the air. You know they you got them compelled. They listen. You know you they glued to radio and you know you got an audience because you you know you know your lines are lighting up. You know back then you. That was your that was your uh, your radar. That was your cue right there to know, you know, if your lines stay lit, you mm-hmm. know, all night long. They call you know, it in. Going right, yeah. So we uh yeah. So I would visit schools. I I learned a good work ethic from I keep mentioning C J Morgan's name because he inspired me so much. Herb the K, another one of my mentors. Um Bill Atkins, mm-hmm. Greta Imani, yeah. Uh you know, because he was on the air. He was on the air before he started the church and everything. Okay, I, mean, I didn't he know was, that. He's a living legend. He's still, he, Bill Atkins was the man. He was the man. So, yeah, Bill Atkins, you know, Herb Nealon uh, was my my personal mentor Neelan. from the, from the, uh, from the uh, reporter days back in mm-hmm. high school. And we still talk from time to time. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you get, and of course, Bobby, he really helped me out a lot once I got situated. I remember Bobby would always give me, um, Bobby OJ would give me uh, encouraging words when I was just a newcomer on on K ninety seven, and I, little did I know he had, he had gotten there about maybe two years before I got. He started on WDI I think eighty three, mm-hmm. eighty four somewhere there, you know, and I started eighty six. So he was kind of like giving me encouragement and stuff, you know, because I would be doing a late shift, you know, midnight to five something like that, five thirty, and Bobby would come in I think five thirty to six. So wow. he said, I heard you on the way in, man. You sounded mm-hmm. good. Keep it up, man. Work on this. Work on that. Cause I was still overnights, and then you know, probably about a about a year later, we end up going uh, full time to an evening shift, and that's mm-hmm. when things started to pop. You know, seven to midnight, yeah, and it was my ideal slot. I really wanted. I never yeah. wanted to do afternoon drive. Never wanted to you do morning. You never. Middays. That was your favorite. Yeah, favorite was seven to midnight. Seven favorite 11, seven, seven to midnight. Seven to midnight, seven eleven. You know how that shift goes. Because I knew that was the most listened to slot when I was growing up. You know? When you were growing I was like, up. Ooh, 7 11. Ooh. They tuned in. You got in. all the kids. You know, you got all yeah. the kids, young folk. Parents are kind of winding down, you know. So the kids kind of, they got their own, they got their, their radio station. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah, the K97 was really pop. It's always been a popping station. You know, even I think uh, when it, when K97 came into its own, when they really made their mark uh, in Memphis radio, you know, uh, was probably, I want to say, they came on board like in 79. When FM was kind of, you know, making their mark, you know, FM was getting strong, you know, because for the longest AM was was a big thing in the 70s, you know, on back. But 79, then about 80, 81, K97 was it. 83, for all that stuff like that. And then when I came in, it was just like, okay. They had already, it was already it was already laid out. All you mm-hmm. had to do was just execute, you know, just be on there and just keep, keep and execute. moving like what they do. So that that's pretty much a that's pretty wow. much the story there, yeah. Now let me ask you this, Stan. Back in the day when you started radio, were you know how we have meetings with the sales group? Mm-hmm. Was it a lot of push with the sales and the jocks back then, My or is that one. more so now? I think more you know. so now. They let us they let the jocks do their thing, and mm-hmm. the salespeople just it was up to them to just go out and sell it. Mm-hmm. We never really knew about that sales side much. Okay. Only we, they would have meetings, you know. Mm-hmm. But it, it was like shit, those sales folk. They knew what to do. They knew how to get their money. They knew how to generate their revenue. They knew, they were all every time you see them, everybody was just clean. I mean, shops attacked the guys, mm-hmm. be suited and booted. I mean, you know, that's all I really grew up know, uh, knowing and seeing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and they would like go out in the community. They would get that advertising. They would knock on doors. They drive the clean cars. I mean, when they mm-hmm. they stepped out, the salespeople were it. Mm-hmm. You almost wanted to. Find out how you could be down to be a salesperson because you seem <laughs> right. like they're the ones making the money. Mm-hmm. You know, DJs, you know, we were making two, three, four dollars an hour, you know, just, you know, I'm being a little facetious there, but it wasn't much more. But you look, mm. those, you looked at those revenue seekers, them sellers, the, the, the uh, you know, the salespeople, they were AEs, account executives, they were, you could tell they were making the money because they were always yeah. dressed nicely. Even the ladies, you know, they come in there looking nice, have on dresses and, and outfits and stuff. I mean, you could just <coughs> tell. They were just super professional mm-hmm. with their attire, and then when they would go out, folks would always knew them. They would be at the night mm-hmm. spots. I mean, they would go to the after work sets, stuff like that. Getting um, that money. Yeah, yeah. You know, wow. Shaking hands, kissing babies, and and and, and going to the bank. And you know what you just mentioned? Um, you know, as far mm-hmm. as working in radio. People think, I mean, especially like when you first get in there, that you're making all this money. Mm-hmm. They will really be surprised they, yeah, yeah. They how think, much yeah. some of these jocks right. make, right? They would. They, even now they would. I mean, uh, I always say, you know, being on the radio, it could be fame, fortune, or food stamps. Oh. You know, especially yes. that's what it is. Yeah, It's what you make it. Um, You know, and you have to, I mean, I was kind of, I was really embarrassed, Um, you know, uh, when I had to tell my parents, kind of basically what I was making, that like straight mm-hmm. out of high, straight out of college, and they was like, they said, you "What?" Been school for <laughs> many years, and this all you got? You still ask? Yeah, and they six like, dollars an hour. Six dollars an hour. Yeah, six dollars an hour uh, was was the paycheck was 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 the, was the hourly rate. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know you can do the math. If you're on the air five hours, then you know what time that is. What's that? Thirty dollars. Why do you think it? Like, but why do you think like that's the norm in radio? The, yeah, the, you why? know what? It's kind of like it's kind of like you know you have to. Make, it's like a waitress. You know what? If you if you if you're a wait a waiter or a waitress, they expect you to make your money in the tips, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't get a big hourly. You know, hourly rate. You know, mm-hmm. you might get, but see, they know you're going to make it up. So they want the DJs to make it up in the streets. You know, right. DJ and sock hops and, and, you know, dances and going out and making them. That's always been the, you know, the belief, the mantra uh, of, of what 
a DJ should do, disc jockey. That's what DJ stands for, disc jockey. You spin the yeah. records. You know, um, uh, so that you never really got paid, paid until uh, you had a, if you were owned by a good company, a solid company that saw your talent and saw something in you and they felt like you were a dependable lawyer and your ratings were good and mm-hmm. you were an asset, then you could kind of ease, you would ease up a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, because I, I remember I've been on hourly for a while and then finally when I went full time, then they would, they would start talking about salary. Mm-hmm. And even then the salary wasn't hardly anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was just still grateful and glad to be on the air. So I said, I knew if they let me in, we'll eventually kick this door down and go in and make this mark and make this, um, you know, and find a niche and go ahead and carve that thing. And, yeah. uh, so, but no, people expect us to come in there, you know, riding a big fancy car, you know, mm-hmm. with the shades and then that fancy outfit. <laughs> and they think we're making money, you know, now there are yeah. some DJs now, they, I'm all really making paid. that money it's now. I'm making that money now. Them Stan uh, Bells is making that money. <laughs> Hello. I don't know the IRS might be listening. You know this verbally effective podcast worldwide. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm, how much you making? But yeah. I feel you with that. Like yeah. you, you have to. I, I, the mantra is you have to really build your name up and be out in these yeah. streets, and gonna you gonna you get it yeah. one way or the other. You're Gonna get it. Yeah. You gonna hustle. I learned to hustle. You gonna hustle. hustle. You gotta hustle. You gotta work. I told you every time. I think I told. In that meeting we just had recently, I said, I believe in the dignity of work. Mm-hmm. And my dad had a real strong work ethic. That's why I forgot always said, man, when do you sleep, man? What are you working? You hear you're there, but I'm I'm a lot of places, but I'm not just at a lot of places to be at a lot of places. I'm there for a reason. I'm at, 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 the, at the worthwhile places, the beneficial places, and the places that I need to be. Not just yes. to, I want folks to see me cause over here tonight and over there. I'm at the places that really uh, appreciate the service that I I bring and what we bring to the table, and I, I'm at the key places. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is not to say that I won't do anything that's kind of ins- insignificant or whatever. I don't have to get paid for everything I do, but I try to uh, put myself in places where I really need to be, where I feel appreciated, where I, that I can really make a mark. Mm-hmm. But yeah, now I will say this: uh, you almost it, it's, it's, there's this song that says "Give the people what they want." Got to give the people what they want, OJ's. But you really need to, if you're gonna call yourself a disc jockey, you do have to have an air about yourself. Mm-hmm. After all, you're on the air, you know. Right. So. There's a little bit of ego in there, but you almost got, but but your your audience wants you to be kind of like that. They want to see mm-hmm. you in a nice car. I learned yeah. that you pull up in a hoop. I mean, I'm just saying, and you're supposed to be the big big man on campus, the big the the, the female jock that's doing the doggone thing, and mm-hmm. here people looking up to you, and they you kind of want to do a little something out of the box. Yeah, you know, you you almost have to step out there, and I learned that lesson. Uh, not necessarily the hard way, but I learned I learned a lesson from you got to do something. You got to if you really want to make it in this business, you got to give the audience pretty much what they really gravitate toward. Mm-hmm. When you pull up at a gig, you you know you want to be in something nice, you mm-hmm. know, because that's what they said. We paying you this money. Mm-hmm. They looking at all of that. They may not, they, you know, they they might not say anything, but they looking. They look at your clothes. They looking at your tie. They looking at uh, if you got any jewelry on. They looking at your feet. You know, they looking at everything. Yeah, especially in that ride if they happen to see you when you pull up it's just a great effect if you pull up to the gig and something snazzy mm-hmm. and I learned this from a guy a long time ago when I was in college I was auditioning for a, a gig at the club and uh, he didn't really know I was a college student you know so he probably think he just heard that I was you know uh, DJing locally you know around the college so he gave me a shot at one of, he wanted me to come audition and, and do his club in Martin Tennessee it was a, big, it was a nice club you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I pulled up, of course, in a, just a, I think it might have been a Plymouth Fury, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. he wasn't judging, but, I mean, he told me later on, he just said, man, if you're going to be a DJ, man, I want my people to come up, you know, 
Well, this is what you, this is what people expect. The, the shiny jacket era, mm-hmm. you know, have something that's flashy, you know, kind of when you pull up because your first yeah. impression, right? Yeah. You know, you never get a second chance to make good first impression. So they're not looking at it. They know you're in college, but they still want to look, you want to edge about yourself mm-hmm. to make you stand out in front of the other folk because it's so competitive. So you, if, whatever you can, like you said, every gig you do, you need to put it back into, you don't go, you know, you want to put it back into your system or put it, put it into clothing or, Buy you a new set of tires so it won't break down. You going to the next gig okay. or, or save up to get you a, a nicer vehicle if you can be blessed to do that. Yeah. So that's why I, I learned that. You know, he told me later on, he said, man, next time you need to come in here, man, uh, with that snazzy, shiny leather jacket or the bomber jacket, you know, something like that. You just thought about it. I'm like, man, I'm in school. I can't. So that's why I'm trying to get this gear to DJ so yeah. I can make some money. Okay. But no, but that, that but it, that's that's the people expect that. Yeah. You in know, this, just, especially in this industry. Yeah, they think you like you said. They think you're making a lot of money, and you can mm-hmm. if you've got good ratings, you got a good company, and you get a following. You know, following, and, you know, and then you just stay on the hustle. Your your money will come if you. Yeah. People can tell when you got a passion about it, when you're serious about it. But you just on the air, just you, know, you just willy nilly. They you know they can tell if you really you know <laughs> you cut for this. You know right. You know that's why a lot. A lot of cats don't last, you know, because they see us a little bit more. You can't, you know, it's it's hard really to make it just being a DJ. I mean, that yeah. being your job. really these days. Yeah, do you these do days, you yeah. think like the the entry at this point is probably the hardest ever now? Yeah, getting in, yeah, getting, getting in, in is hard. now. Just, yeah, because of the reduction in force. You know, mm-hmm. we know that all too well. <laughs> the reduction in force from these companies, uh, where they do the cutbacks and. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they're not paying, you know, but a lot. Yeah. This is the kind of job you almost would really do it for free because you love it. If you really love it, you like, you know, even Michael Jordan said it. I play the game of basketball for free, but I just know it's a big business and they make money off of me. So, but when you think about it, when it really comes down to when it all boils down, it's a job where you really wouldn't mind doing for free. But after a while, you realize the company is making money off your talent, your skills, definitely. And what you so you can't do it for free. Right. But you'll do it for kibbles and bits until you kind of. You know, graduate mm-hmm. to being uh, you know that that solid talent. You yeah. know where you could you know, almost demand some pay. You know, you demand that pay. Yeah, you can demand some pay, and the only way you can do that is is really. Uh, and I'll be honest with you. You know, open and honest. You have to have other people looking at you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the only reason. That's the only way. That's one of the reasons I was able to. That's why I'm still here, because. Uh, I had offers to go to other markets, see? Mm-hmm. That's how you get your money up. But if you just sit complacent and they think you get complacent and you're happy, you know, they'll they'll just continue to pay you. To, they might give you a little raise, but nothing, nothing. Nothing substantial. Nothing, nothing. So I had other markets. You know, I had an opportunity to go to Atlanta, you know, uh, back in, ooh, in the Riddles was booming. 96, 1996. Mm-hmm. They had the Winter Olympics, you know. Uh, I mean, I, I, I had already mapped it out. And you year. told them no? I told them no. Why you tell them no, kind of Well, the they, reason why, i tell you why. I still, sometimes, I, it took me a while to get over it, telling them no. Toss and turn, <laughs> I had to pray about that one. Talking I know you did. Yeah, they, that's why I know stations can do what they want to do if they really want you. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was teaching school, right? But I hadn't been teaching maybe about three years when I got the offer from Atlanta. But, and then I, uh, when the offer came, it was it was really nice, but the station, you know, which I'm thankful for, they were say they they were they made me an offer. They kind of countered, mm-hmm. so it wasn't as much as what Atlanta was going to be paying. It was enough to Memphis, stay. Yeah, 
the cost of living, as you know, in Memphis is not that bad. The traffic, you have to weigh a lot of stuff mm-hmm. out. So I, you know, I tossed a turn and I decided to stay. And they, they allowed me to keep teaching and stuff, which is another blessing. So yeah. you start putting all that together and the gigs and stuff like that. And they change your hours. Up. They, there's different ways you can negotiate and make a deal mm-hmm. kind of wor- worth your while. Definitely. So I'm just sharing that for those who might be listening to the Verbally Effective podcast who might be um, – aspiring to be a broadcaster, be on the air, something like that. It's going to be some ups and downs. It's going to be, it's mm-hmm. tough, but you get your hustle on and people see your talent, your gift, and then you can, you can really start to, to work your own deal. Wow. You know, but when you work your deal, you got to, you got to, you, you, you don't have to keep working the deal. Working, that's right. You, you got to make sure you prove yourself. Now Stan, what do you think your superpower is with the longevity that you have in radio, you know, over 30 years? Not many people can say that. What is your superpower? Well, well, you know, well, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to be on the air, of course, you know, for this length of time. You know, I give I always give God the glory, you know, for everything I do because I couldn't do Amen. it without um, I, I, I try to aim for perfection in everything I do. Aim. That, that's it. Aim for perfection. You probably saw these banners in your classroom in school, where you were in school. Uh, you know, shoot for the moon, even if you miss, you land among mm-hmm. the stars, right? So that's pretty much my mantra. And and I've always, I've always figured out uh, somebody's got my back. I know my parents were praying for me. You know, I know really know my mom was praying for me. You know, because I was uh, I was in the streets. You know, I was just trying going to gig to gig. Mm-hmm. You know, just you know. And just trying to trying to be at everybody's gig, trying to get my name out there, and just trying to you know do what I really love. So. Um, I knew somebody was praying for me, and then I was, you know, because I'd be on the road late at night and stuff like that. Even after I graduated from school, I was still trying to chase that dollar and try to chase that that club work and all that kind of stuff. And then mm-hmm. because I knew that would enhance me being on the air. If you got a following in the streets, that's why I'm so thankful I was in the streets before I was uh, on the air. Because you know, the, if the streets know you and they fear you, they'll follow you. Mm-hmm. You know, once they find out you're on the air, they're gonna listen to you because mm-hmm. they know you. And then you just enhance it by continuing to be in the streets. When I say in the streets, I don't mean in a negative way. You know what I mean? And yeah. Doing the clubs and skate rings, sock hops, the proms, and Out all there that kind hustling. of stuff. Touching. Yeah, you got to hustle. On the grind. Yeah, yeah. That's that's how you get it. You know, hard work <coughs> is the yeast that raises the dough. Mm, I like that. You got it. Hard work is the yeast that raises the dough. It's a play that's on words, truth. but it, that's it. Yes. Yeah. It's going to rate Your pay will increase. You keep working hard. People will see you. And the dough which is, you know, colloquial for money. And, uh, and you just keep working hard. It's going to all, it's going to elevate, but you got, you got to be on the grind and then it'll come when you least expect it. Wow. So yeah, my motivation is that, you know, just that work ethic, uh, knowing, uh, you know, that superpower was just knowing that somebody was praying for me. I know God had my back. Cause I, when you, once you realize this is what you want to do, like when you decide you want to do the podcast and you say, I want to take it to the next level. I want to do it. I know other folks out here doing mm-hmm. it, but mine's going to be a little more unique. Mm-hmm. Mine's going to be different. My, I'm going to bring on some folks on here that I know, uh, I can interview and, and, um, and uh, people can gravitate toward, they can learn something from, you know, once you get that ethic and you know this is what you really want to do, nothing can stop you. Nothing. Do you yeah, hear me? Yeah, nothing. Yeah, nothing. So it's a calling. <laughs> it's a calling. Yes. Now, Stan Bell, what would the 2019 Stan Bell, you here in front of me today, mm-hmm. what would you tell the 1999 Stan Bell 20 years ago? Yeah, it is what kind of advice would you give him? And I was really, in the, I was still on the grind. '99. I remember, you know, doing. Ooh, I remember doing proms <laughs> and the hustle. I, you know, if, if kept coming in. What well, now? I, I really don't have any regrets. I mean, that that hustle thing, that on the grind, you know, getting it, you know, getting it until you can't get it no more. I, I don't really have any regrets. I'm just so thankful I was able to, 
uh, stay in the game, be able to raise a family with all of that going on, keep the family together. You know, uh, mm-hmm. wife stayed in there right beside me. You know, much love to my loved wife, Carla, of 27 years, who stuck right by me through thick and thin and all of this stuff, you know, all of it. You know, of course, I got married in 92. 92. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and see, Cass, if you talking about getting married and you're a DJ, it's, it's, it's kind of tough if you're really going to do this thing right. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're going to be out late sometimes. You know, you got to have an understanding spouse. You got to have somebody say, look, you know, Definitely. I know you're out there trying to, get, trying to get this money, get this paper, get whatever you're trying to do, know the ride or whatever you're trying to get. But at the end of the day, you're coming home, right? Okay. And uh, and you're going to have something to show for it. So, you, you, <laughs> you, you know, so that 99 stand bill, you know, I was really on the grind. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm in the, in the thick of it. And then now, 2019, we still we still rolling, we still hustling, we still get doing a lot of stuff. But now we got options, you know. I can say no, no to this gear and say no, I'm not going to do yes. this. Now I pass it, I give it to somebody else, or you know that kind of thing. But back then, mm-hmm. we wouldn't turn down nothing. <laughs> you know, like I do what I do, what I do. Twenty years it. makes a difference, yeah. And, wow, uh, it's been a great legacy. It's been it's been a good run. It really has. But you know, it's, it's a lot of chapters to the story. A lot. You, you know what I want to know, Stan? You know, just working in this in this business, it, it's a dirty business. You right. know, you meet a lot of characters in this yeah. business. Cutthroat. A lot of cut. cut okay, throat. you said yeah. it. Cutthroat. <laughs> so how have you been able to navigate and decipher and discern who you can trust mm. in this type of can't industry? I trust a whole lot of folk. You know? No. Uh, of course, I trust Miss Bell. You know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I really couldn't do it without. I'm not just saying that because, you know, uh, she's a good business partner. She's a good spouse. She's loyal, dedicated, faithful, committed, all that kind of stuff. And then she understands. Uh, she probably didn't understand right early how serious I was about it until maybe I would say probably about. Well, she knew I was into it, but she didn't hold anything against me because I was doing the radio and stuff like that uh, and, and on the grind like that. But, I mean, you don't have too many you can trust. You know, like I say, you, so you got associates, you know, you got people you associate with, but, you know, mm-hmm. you really can't trust too many. I had a guy, i tell you somebody, I had some good mentors, Mike Ware. You remember Mike mm-hmm. Ware? He was in yeah. sales and stuff. Mike was the one I could trust and talk to. I said, man, this thing is radio thing, man. Mm-hmm. How'd you do it? Because, see, Mike Ware was on the air before he became a salesperson. You know, I heard about that. He was hot, too. He was, he was bad. He, he, was, he was so cold. He was just as popular as the full-time guys, and he, Mike was always part-time on the weekend. Mm-hmm. He was just as hot as the full-time DJs that were on the air. And, then, you know, so when he got off the air to do sales, uh, which was more money, you know, and more st- stability for them because, you know, they had a really good product, you know, K97 WDI when we became a super combo and all of that. So he got off the air. People still remember his name after he'd been off the air, you know, uh, 10, 15 years. And um, he was one of the guys I could trust, you know, uh, talk to because he knew where I was coming. A fraternity brother as well, uh, and he he helped me a lot too because I was a, I was a young cat, and they used to Mike Ware. He's a capper, and he rocked the pies, and he throw he's promoting into promoting parties so like so you so you'll reach out to people like that, and I was glad he was still on the air. Well, he was off the air by the time I got hired, but he was still in the building, you know, mm-hmm. so I could talk have conversations with him and stuff, and a couple other folks along the way. So I learned person that you have to watch. <laughs> evil company corrupts good character. Evil company corrupts good character. It's in the Bible. It's biblical, but it's true. You know, and it applies to all. You know, you know, you got to watch who you surround yourself with. Definitely. You know, um, you know and that and that way, because they can blow your gig. They can folks you hang around. They can blow a gig for you just by comments they make. You know, mm-hmm. you know, people that you're next to, and you know, they blow a gig, and people see, think that's because you're wrong with that person. That's your. That's the way you think. Mm-hmm. So you got to limit the folks you you surround yourself with. A lot of times, you know, I, I'm, I'm not really gloating anything, but you don't see me around a lot of folk. Not a lot of dudes. I don't hang out. That's true. I don't go to the football party, hang at your house. Let's, you know, I just, 
I just can't do that now. We, you know, we're at the point now we've, we've accumulated a lot, and it'd be devastating blow if I blow it. You know, mm-hmm. it'd be devastating if we, if we, if we. So you got to watch who you hang out with, know know where you're going, and get in, get out of there. You know, keep a mystique about yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to keep that mystique. You know, if mm-hmm. they see you everywhere, folks want to say that, man, y'all see you everywhere, but it, right. it, it depends on where you are. There's no mystery yeah, to yeah, you. Right, like, right. You got, you got everybody know. <laughs> right. He's going to be at the club. I know he's going to be there next weekend. He's going to be there tonight. He's going to be at everything. You can't be at everything. You can't be you, at you everything. You got to be at the right things, the positive things, the things that make an impact and a difference that, that, that um, how would I say, complement mm-hmm. uh, your occupation. Definitely. Yeah, you got to complement your occupation. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And so I guess if I hope I, hopefully I answered your question. Yeah, you, you, gotta, you definitely you answered limit, my yeah, question. You limit who you surround <laughs> yourself with. Po- stay around them positive folk. Yes. The folk that want to see you succeed. And then you don't want to yes. be around them folks that broke. Right. And that's going, you know, I mean, you know, it might eventually rub off on you. They got big ideas, but they're not really working towards to get it done, you know. So they're you, hanging with you to get them ideas right, on. Pretty much, that's right. Right. So I had to, I had to limit it. You know, I, got, I, got, I have a lot of friends, but I, it's not. Ones I can just say, you know, you know, I can share everything with. You know, I feel but, you. Yeah, so I'm still on the ground. I'm, I read a lot of books, like, you know, my good friend Tom Joyner, <laughs> and I read his book. I read those those greats. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they they got writings and stuff. I want to know about it. You know, Tom Joyner mm-hmm. has a book uh, that says, uh, "I'm just a DJ, but it makes sense to me." S e n s e, but also the play on words is the c e n t s. It makes sense. Mm. I'm just a yes. DJ, but it makes sense. So I read that book cover to cover, and uh, that helps me, you know, to, to hear about the struggles and the stuff that he went through to get to where he is now, mm-hmm. worth over $30 million. And I just, know. Uh, you know, that was yeah. a, a, yeah. a road yeah. he took. Yeah, he definitely. He, and he worked in Memphis. I don't know if you knew that or not. Yeah, he worked at uh, radio station WLOK in Memphis for about six months. I did not know he that. Sure did. Like in the, um, I want to say, uh, Early seventies, late sixties, early seventies, somewhere there about. You, you know, if you ever run into him or you hear him or read a book, you'll you'll see that in mm-hmm. there. But I'll, he, he did a legend right Matter there. Fact, about sixty, it was about sixty-eight, sixty-nine, somewhere in there. Wow. But yeah, that's that. Those are folks you know. You can you know you can read and learn things from from, and that struggle struggle is real. But once you break that, you know, you break through, you in there. You in now. Okay, Stan, at this time, we are going to do a feature called the Verbally Effective Minute, where I'm going to ask you a a few questions. Verbally Effective Minute. The Verbally Effective Minute. And I'm going to give you choices, and you have to tell me which choice and why. Rapid fire. I need you to answer off the dome, okay? okay? Question number one. Which station do you or have you enjoyed the most? K97 or V101 and why? K97. Absolutely. Because <laughs> that's where I got my start and I, my career blossomed. You know, I was able to do the roll call. It's the roll call. And to hear those kids interact with me mm-hmm. uh, nightly. And I know the parents, they, they really trusted me to allow their children to stay up at night with me. Because, again, you know, that 7-Eleven mm-hmm. slot, you know, and we do that thing all night long. And kids stayed up. Parents sometimes listen to. I love K97. I stayed on there 15 years. And believe it or not, I've been on V101 longer than I have on K97. Uh, you know, 
So it's 86 to 2001, that's 15. And now from 2001 to 2019, that's what, 17, 18 years. So uh, K97 had more fun. I have fun on the air now where I am, but K97 was fun. I interacted with the children, the kids, the high school students. And I mean, it was like, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, so answer the question, you know, hands down, K97, of course, K97, the big station. Yes. Okay. What type of gig do you prefer to do? Proms or weddings? Which one would you prefer? Mm, well, back in the day, I loved to do the proms because I got to jam out, just jam, jam, jam. Nowadays, I guess 2018, 2019, that kind of thing, uh, definitely the weddings because uh, weddings are more, um, you know you're going to get in and get out a certain time. You, you, know? sure you ain't going to be there all night long. That <laughs> yeah. kind of, you know, they're going to have a ceremony at six, you know. They're gonna they're gonna take some pictures and that boom boom boom. You do your thing, play some good music, you know, and do your your, your special features, you know, removing mm-hmm. the guard and then the throwing. You it's more structured. Yeah. Uh, but nowadays, if I was asked ask that question, if I could answer that question, I would say I prefer to do the weddings and things now. Mm-hmm. Proms are really good to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, in the heyday of my career at K ninety seven, I was doing proms every weekend during prom season, starting mm-hmm. at the end of March all the way up to. Mid May every wow. weekend, every weekend, yeah. Uh, because we were at a hot station, we had good ratings. People loved us, and I mean, I mean, we we had a good good run. So yeah, now I definitely love doing wedding receptions and you know birthday celebrations for folks who are you know like forty five, mm-hmm. fifty, sixty year celebrations, which is really big now. Wow. Okay, I got mm-hmm. you. Some of the weddings now. Okay. Yep. Next question. I'm easing out of those, though. <laughs> you easing out of them, too? Yeah, you got breaking news. I'm easing out of that. I think Break 2021 it. is going to be it for me on the, on the That's private That's that on gigs. that. That's that on that. You got to pull, oh, pull it in sooner or later. I feel you. you might have one, one of the little bell ringers take <laughs> yeah, your place yeah, on yeah, that. Yeah, they can definitely do it. Yeah, <laughs> okay. It won't be me. Next question. Uh, which entity... Do you prefer to broadcast on? We know you do radio, but yeah. any television, radio, TV, any television? You know what? Mm. I, I love radio, obviously, you know, because it's so powerful. It's influential, the theater of the mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I've just always been intrigued. Orson Welles said something really profound. Orson Welles, you know, the writer of War of the Worlds back in like in the 30s somewhere, and he had everybody thinking the world was coming to an end. Mm-hmm. And he said something profound. He said, man, you know, because they called him to the carpet. They said, man, you realize what you've done, man? You got everybody thinking that the world's coming to an end, the Marshall going to invade, uh, started with the state of New Jersey, and everybody started arming themselves because they were scared, and, you know, and literally with, 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 with guns, you know, like they're, gonna, they're not going to get me. So he said something when they called him to the carpet in, in the interview. He said, uh, you never know who's listening and what they're thinking of. Mm-hmm. That he said, you never know who's listening. So that's why I like radio so much, so much more. Now you'll see me sometimes. I come to the studio. I might be suited and booted and have my stuff on, tie, you know, something like that. I got that from even before I started teaching. You know, because you, now that I'm teaching school, you know, I just probably still be in my, as we say, company uniform. But before I got on the air, before I started teaching school, I used to always wear a tie because I got that from Herb Nealon and and Bill Atkins. They used to come to work. I'm like, I can't anybody see you? What you doing with a tie on and a a nice shirt on and the French cuffs, man, you on the radio. <laughs> but it, it stuck with me. He said, you know, radio is theater of the mind. And then you, when you step out, usually when you get off the air, you're going somewhere. You know, mm-hmm. you might be going to gig, you might go going somewhere professional, you might be going to speak. And then, you know, and then sometimes they bring tours through the states. You want to be at your best. So, and then mm-hmm. when, you, when, you, when you dress up, you feel nice about yourself, you kind of, it, it exudes over the airwaves, you mm-hmm. know, especially depending on what time of shift that you have. I'm not, that's not for everybody, but that was for me, you know. Mm-hmm. And that, that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, I think that what, what was the rest of that question? Well, I, I said, would you like to do anything with oh, television? We've done TV. We done. I, I did some television. Well, you know, most radio people evolve into TV. Yep. You know, you know that. You, I was. I remember with Claudia Barr. You know, she was on uh, television news, local television news for a long time before she retired. But she she started out in radio. That's mm-hmm. usually the progression. People like even like Dave Brown. You know, used to do the weather. Uh, I call him meteorologist emeritus, you know, with uh, <laughs> uh, WMC Action News 5. But Dave was, uh, like, he was his number one. Mm-hmm. And uh, he started off on radio, you know, because he's got that voice, man, you know. He definitely and, uh, does. So, but I would eventually, I mean, we've done some TV. We like we like doing commercials here and there. Uh, but, you, you know, TV, you really have to stay on, on, stay on top of everything. Everything. You know, your appearance, you got to get you got your nails done, you got your hair always whipped, you got to have somebody ready to, put you in a chair, you know, if you want to get your hair done or cut, you just, it's so much going into that. And then, you know, you look, you got a huge audience, you're looking, you know, at teleprompters, just a lot involved with that. Or, mm-hmm. or even if you have your own TV show, you got to mm-hmm. put, you got to put in the work, you know, you got other folk that's depending on you to do well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been watching lately, uh, the loudest voice. Have you seen that? Ep- it's, a, it's a series on television. I think it's on Showtime. I haven't it's, seen it's the about, loudest voice. It's uh, about Fox News, how Fox was created. Oh, I heard about director, it, though. That, that Roger Ailes guy, mm-hmm. the mastermind behind Fox. Is it and good? Yeah, it's good. good. Yeah, I'll, I'll watch I it. I got to binge it. Yeah, it's good. Check it out sometime. Roger Ailes, I think it's, uh, who's the guy playing him? Uh, some of you listen about probably call in and I know who you're talking about, a uh, well-known a, actor. Yeah, 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 well-known actor. He's bad. Yeah. He, uh, Russell, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe, that's right. Russell yeah. Crowe playing. Yeah. That's right. News yeah, I know what you're talking about. Guy, he's shrewd. Yeah. I mean, he'll, he'll fire you, drop it a hat if you like it. He'll pay you tons of money, but, mm-hmm. he, but he says what he, he means. He means what he says. I mean, and I got a lot. Look, looking at that kind of lets me know, okay, this is the business. You know, TV is, TV is something serious. They real cutthroat yeah, TV. That's right. You here today, gone today. Wow. Okay, last verbally effective minute question. Okay. This is involving the school system Mm -hmm. since you're an educator. Which do you prefer, the beginning of the school year or the end of the school year and why? That's a good, that's a tough one there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So now I came up with that question. Towards the end. Because you can kind of see the end coming, you know, and then, you know, like now, I'm fired up for school to start, but I'm not as fired up because you obviously. I mean, the honest answer is you, you can see that you, when you get close to the end of the year, it seems like it drags on, but you know it. You know, if you live to see it, it's coming. Mm-hmm. So you kind of like, because you can make decisions. You know, I'm looking forward to my summer. I'm looking for my summer. I can get ready to go out of town and do different things. So I, I really like towards the end, you know, we, we, especially after you accumulate so many years. After you kind of, you know, I've got 26 years with the school system. 26. You know, 26 times really flown. I don't know wow. how many years they flew back. So, so now they flew by. So now I'm looking at summer coming around, you know, every time when it gets around mm-hmm. after your spring break, you start, <laughs> I can see the end. You know, I can kind of see the end of school. Year, yeah. You know? Because the summers are so short. I mean, you know, you're back before you know it. So, yeah, mm-hmm. the end. Okay. Well, I look toward the end. You know, I, I feel like, you. I like that the end coming. You know, when it gets to May, I'm good to go. I feel you. Yes, well, Stan Bell, I really appreciate you for coming on the Verbally Effective it's Podcast. Verbally yes, effective podcast. you Blowing are up. definitely a treasure. And you know what? You've given me so much great advice with my right. years here at right. iHeart. And right. I really appreciate right. you, Stan, yeah, from yeah. the bottom oh, of my heart. Y'all, bless y'all. And yes, we man. all look up to you. You yeah, know that, right? But you know what? <laughs> God be the glory. I received that. I mean, you know, we as you, as you know, I, we, we got some 
uh, stories to tell. We, 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 I've seen a lot go on in this business. I love this business. It, it could be rough, but, it, you know, it could be, like I said, it could be fame, fortune, food stamps. But I'll share this with you. You know, when you feel it's time to make a move and do some other, like you said, you are going to do this verbally effective podcast. You knew it was in your heart to get it done, get it done. And yours has to be different and unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, from everybody else is trying to do it. But you, but before you start doing it, you had a vision, you, you had a goal that you wanted to do and you wanted to accomplish it. So you got, it's kind of like when uh, they asked me to go to one-on-one, I, I use for example. Uh, I went kicking and screaming, to be quite honest with you, because I, I kidding myself was my heart. You know, the roll call and talking to the kids. Uh, my, I had my favorite shift, you know. Uh, I felt like I was making a difference. But at, when they came in and said, you got to go leave k and 7 I said, what? I didn't want to do that. But the, here's the story. Here's, here's the moral of the story. Uh, and you might be able to relate to this in your own situation. Unless you move beyond what you've already mastered, you never grow. Yes. So if I got mad and said, I ain't going no one-on-one. They play all this slow music. They ain't got no ratings and that kind of <laughs> stuff, which they did in that <laughs> I said, but then I thought about it, looked at, you know, I thought about it. So you got to move beyond what you've already been good at, or you're gonna never grow. That's why you got mm-hmm. the podcast going. It's gonna be something else next, and he's gonna be something else. So you got, you got to take that chance. You got to take a risk. You got to go out there, and that's why I'm trying to, you know, let folks know, you know, it's it's a viable business. A lot of a lot of young folks don't want to get in this now. Number one, it's really not paying. Another, time is changed. I got in at a very good time. I wanted to get in earlier than '86. You know, I really want to be on the air at K97, more like a 84 or something. But mm-hmm. I stayed in college a little bit longer than the designated four. <laughs> so it must not have been, I, I, didn't know, I did a, what we call a, a, a career lap, student? A what, what is lap. it? I, I took a couple of victory laps. <laughs> a victory lap. Yeah. So it wasn't meant for me to go and be on the air then, I guess. Twirling so, at Kane. Yeah, on yeah up there twirling at Kane, being super DJ on the, you know, doing all the sorority fraternities and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And I was, wasn't paying attention to no books or nothing. I just, wanted to, I just wanted to be the big man on campus, play them hits, and, and do what I love was music. But wow. now, then I and then then finally I kind of woke up and somebody pinched me and said, "Now you gotta get out, gotta get out of here. Mm-hmm. It's time that you've done enough. It's time to move on. Mm-hmm. So unless you move beyond what you've already mastered, you never go. You can't stay there. You go to the next thing. Yes. Help somebody else. You know, you get in, stay focused on what you want to get. Because we got some other things we're working on too as well. Huh? Maybe in the next episode we'll talk to share some things. What you working on, Fans? Give us a little let's exclusive, see, yeah. a little uh, something. Let's something. see. If I could let a cat out of the bag, we, I'll put it like this. I would like to go. I'm working on uh, 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 elevation within the school district. Oh, oh. Elevation within the school system. That's right. Okay. Making it work. Making it work. I like that elevation. Elevation. In the school district. That's correct. You need any help? Let me know. <laughs> okay. Yes, man. <laughs> no, with, with his podcast, go all the way up like an army grenade. Yes. Did I would be asking Ooh. you a little? Ooh. Whatever you need, saying anything you need from me, you just let me yes, know. Okay. It. Well, you're doing a you're doing a fantastic job. Thank you. Uh, motivation is when your dreams put on work clothes. Mm-hmm. Deposit that in your spirit. Motivation. You got the motivation to do whatever it is that you want to do, but you got to get up and work. That's why I just tell these young folk, you it ain't going to come to you. Success you doesn't come to you. You go to it. For it. Right. Yes. You for it. Success doesn't come to you. You go to it. Yes. You know, and that's, that's, that's my match. That's my belief. You know, you got to have that motivation. All these guys, I can't let them down. The Herb Decays, I mentioned the Bobby OJs, they gave me a shot. Jimmy Smith, Pam Wells, we talked about. Mm-hmm. All these folks gave me a shot at this thing. 
and they're looking. I'm standing on their shoulders. So you've got to work hard. You got to be motivated. They were the motivation. And all you got to do is put on the work clothes. Yes. Thank yeah. you so uh, much, Stan. You the man. Stan yeah, yeah. the man, man. Right. I do all I can <laughs> to keep the listeners and the women in heaven. Don't need hey. your number, a pencil, or a pen, because you could find me on K97. The power station, no hesitation. We play 97 jams with no irritation. 100,000 kilowatts, 97.1, nonstop. So pump the volume, it's never too soon. I'm staying bail. So give me headroom to do my duty. Time after time, and don't forget to call me on the power line at nine. Please remember, I'm staying bail. You can't believe I deliver. We're number one in Memphis and the Mid South, so all the rest can get the FM out. Oh, Ooh. 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 drop the mic, drop the mic. That one called. Yeah, that's old oh, school that one right there. Mic. Old school, drop the mic on that one. Verbally drop the effective. mic. That's how we gonna end. Verbally effective. Stan Bell, episode eighty-one in the book. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god.